This is Tony Todd, and you're listening to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Be my victim. In a world where zombies, ghosts, serial killers, and vampires all exist, it's Nico, Brian, Mike, and Dustin, and they are all that stand between you and the films that could end the world. Welcome to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Don't Go Out There Horror Movie Review Podcast. Just want to thank all our fans and listeners. We really appreciate all the support. You guys are awesome. Uh, sorry I missed last week, but, you know, I did have a little bit of a medical emergency. But the guys held it down. They did an awesome job like I knew they would. Uh, really shout out to Dustin for that impression of me. I loved it. <laughs> Gave me a good laugh as I was recovering this week. Uh, before we get into tonight's film review, I just want to give a quick shout out to our website, don'tgooutthere.com. Everything about our podcast is on the website. Uh, all of our episodes and interviews from episode one to, to the weekly release, uh, just check out our website for that. We've done some incredible interviews in the past. It's a lot easier to find them there instead of scrolling through, you know, almost 300 episodes now of this content we've made. So if you want to find those interviews, check out our interviews tab. Uh, we got a store, we got some new t-shirts, uh, we got like mouse pads, all that good stuff. Shan's Etsy page is attached as well if you want to grab some DGOT tumblers or other horror tumblers. They're awesome. She does a great job. And the last thing we'll shout out is our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. You know, like us, subscribe us, follow us, all that good stuff. You know, this past month and next week's review is all, you know, your choices pretty much. It's been fan picks. Uh, we really appreciate the the voter turnout. It's been awesome. So definitely link up with us on social medias. And I'm going to shout out our Patreon. We call it Blood Donors. You know, none of this money goes into our pockets. It just goes directly back into the podcast. Uh, your traditional monthly reoccurring uh, donor, we have that option available. You know, it just it takes a big burden off us. We really appreciate it. Or if you just want to make a one-time donation, like, hey, I would like to hear DGOT review this movie. We have that option available as well. One-time donations. We're going to do another one of those in a couple of weeks. So check out our website if uh, you're interested in that. Uh, tonight is the third entry in Brian's fan pick month, which he is not a part of tonight. Shout out to Brian. He's moving houses again. You know, when you're a money man like Brian, you get bored of a house in a couple months. You just keep moving on. And hey, you're not kidding. Must be nice, right? God ah, dang. I wish I could take out a loan at the bank of Brian. <laughs> hey, we all do. And, uh, but tonight is my film review winner. Uh, Dead Silence from 2007 is the winner. It's a movie that I've been wanting to pick for a long time. And it, you can ask the guys. I've picked it several times, had it on the calendar. But then like two weeks before it's my way, I was like, I think I'm going to change it. I think I'm going to change it. And I always ended up doing it. I'm a big James Wan fan, so obviously I like m most everything he's done. Uh, this is kind of a sleeper movie of his. Uh, it's kind of gaining a cult following which one of our blood, uh, not blood donors, but a uh, social media fan, fan of the show, commented on one of our posts earlier. And uh, I think the movie is fun. I mean, I don't think it's perfect, obviously. I don't think it's like any Oscar winner, but I think it's a fun horror movie, and it has a really good twist. And I, I, I just love it. I have nostalgia for it. I can tell that story later. But I really enjoy this movie. Uh, Mike, go ahead. Yeah, man, so this is basically this duo's follow-up to Saw, Man, they made movies in between, but as a duo together, you know, by the time this movie came out, uh, 07. So this is kind of their follow up. And, you know, you, you know, 
saw was a passion project and it made them go on to great success. And this movie just kind of, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but it kind of feels like something they needed to do to keep, you know, them in the minds of studios. That being said, I think this is a really good popcorn horror movie. And I know we said that on the show before and it's been said on Twitter, I think earlier today even, where I think this is a good movie to just sit down. If you're just in the mood for something a little lighter, uh, but still in that horror realm, I think this is a good movie you can throw on. It's the kind of movie I think you can show your friends who may not be as well-versed in the horror genre as us or you are and and really scare the shit out of them because they don't watch a lot of horror movies. They're kind of numb or you know they're not numb to these things like we are. And I think this is a movie you can throw on and have your friends get scared and have a good time with that. I uh, love the way the movie is shot. It's definitely a James Wan special. I, I think there's some really good shots, cinematography choices, I think, that look pretty good. Although this movie is blue as fuck. It's blue, da ba da ba It's so fucking blue uh, on the screen tent. But it doesn't take away anything. Like, I enjoy it. Acting is okay. I think the writing has some issues. The writing has some loopholes in the story that aren't explained very well to me. It has a few spots where I keep saying to myself, they haven't explained that very well. I don't know why it's happening, and I I think that's a little bit of an issue, but that doesn't take away my enjoyment, and I'm excited to talk about it. It's a really good, just, you know, fun little horror film, I think, with an interesting concept of using ventriloquist dummies instead of just, like, your normal standard killer doll like Chucky or Annabelle or whoever like that. So I'd never seen this movie. Um, be honest with you, I'd never heard of it. It slipped through the crap somehow back in the day. Um but when I saw Lee Winnell, James Wan, Donnie Wahlberg, I was immediately excited and intrigued. I mean, those those three have, are a huge part of Saw, one of my favorite franchises. So I was excited about it. Um, it did not live up to my expectations, though. I, you know, I understand having nostalgia for it if you watched it all those years ago. But to me, this movie didn't do anything new. It didn't do anything special. It didn't. It was kind of a lazy story to me, like. It, it was just kind of one of those, like, um, you know, we're not going to explain. You don't you don't have to go into this and think too much about it. You can just, like, half-ass pay attention to it, and you get the gist of it. It does have some decent little, you know, jump scares and decent spooky moments. That's that's true. And the twist, the twist is fine. But, um, you know, I've got some issues with that as well that I'll get into when we get to that part of the movie. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing that we've reviewed even in the last few weeks, but... Um, it's definitely not one of my favorites. How dare you shit on the menu? How dare you? I didn't shit on the menu. I'm just kidding, buddy. Hey, that's fair. Uh, I, I can't argue with what you said, Dustin. No, um, absolutely. Any more opening thoughts where you just jump into it? Hey, yeah, uh, one more thing. I'm just glad that Lee Winnell's not acting in this movie. All right, let's go. <laughs> ain't going to give my man a break. All right, let's jump into it. In the 6th century BC, it was believed that the spirits of the dead would speak through the stomach region of the living. And y'all bear with me, I'm still congested. I can't seem to shake some kind of sickness for whatever reason, but hey, I'm here. From the Latin venter for belly, and I guess it's laqui to speak, hence the word ventriloquist. A candle is lit in opening credits roll as we see Mary Shaw in her book of dolls. Title card as Charlie Clouser's amazing score plays, and we see her sketching. We see her now building the doll, the perfect doll. Transition from the doll's eye to a sink pot as Jamie tries to fix it. He promises to make her dinner and she tells him to surrender and let's just get takeout. Their doorbell buzzes and they open the door and see a package with Jamie's name on it. They open it up and see a doll. Lisa jokes they adopted a baby. 
He's clueless who sent it. Lisa tells him it reminds her of the old ghost story they knew as a kid about Mary Shaw. She props the doll up and its mouth falls open, creeping them out. Jamie picks up the Chinese food as Lisa sets up a tea kettle. She wants to scare Jamie and sets the doll on the bed. She goes to the closet and hears a voice and sees the doll has slid down the bed some. She props it up with a pillow and puts a white sheet over it. The music playing begins to distort and she thinks it's Jamie. Music stops now and she hears the clock stop ticking and the kettle whistles and it stops too. She hears a chuckle and goes back to the room with the doll. She reaches for the sheet and is launched on her and she's thrown across the room and into the hall. She crawls away and coughs up blood. She looks back and is dragged back into the room screaming. Jamie goes in the apartment and the kettle is whistling and music playing. He yells out for her to no answer. Lisa's voice says, I'm in here. And he walks down the hall. He sees blood all over the floor and her voice says, I have a surprise for you, Jamie. He goes in the room and sees the white sheet sitting up and she laughs. He doesn't think it's funny. He pulls the sheet and sees Lisa's dead body with her mouth wide open and her tongue is missing. The cops are here now and her body is taken away. Jamie is broken as he sits in the police station. They notice Lisa had no defensive wounds. The detectives have no clue what happened, never seen anything like it. Lipton walks in, begins to shave, and says the, the rose was his mistake. Jamie is confused. Why do I need an alibi? Jamie asks if he thinks he killed his wife. Jamie wants him to investigate the mysterious package. Lipton doesn't see the relevance. Jamie says where he's from, a ventriloquist dummy is a bad omen. Lipton thinks it's weird he said she talked but was dead and had no tongue. He lets Jamie go, for now. Jamie storms out and is back at his apartment. He walks through the place and takes the doll to the living room and investigates the case it came in. He finds a drawing of the doll in Mary Shaw and where it's from. Jamie is driving to Raven's Fair now. He drives through town and sees how decrepit it is and all the places going out of business. He makes it to his father's mansion and is led inside by Ella. She apologizes for his loss and she's excited he's home. She says she's his stepmother and introduces herself. Edward asks, who's down there, calling for Ella. Ella helps him with his chair, and he says, what a pleasant surprise. She tells him he had a stroke. He says to Jamie he's changed and apologizes about his wife. He offers to help and call Henry. He wants to reconcile. Jamie asks him about the poem Mom read as a kid. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, make sure you never scream. Jamie says it's more than just a ghost story. Edward says it's just small town superstition. Jamie leaves and says he has a funeral a funeral to prepare. Ella chases after and asks if he'll stay. Your father is a changed man, but Jamie points out the missing wives in the portraits. Thank goodness you all leave him as he lives. All right, uh, Brian, I almost said Brian. Mike, go ahead and kick us off with your opening thoughts. Said I'm not Brian, uh, even though we were very simpatico early on in this show. Now he's my mortal enemy, so sorry, Brian. Anyway, um, look, I love this opening credit scene. And I think the music is creepy. Love the drawings. Love the doll heads. You know, they're kind of unsettling. Like, I think that they did a really good job. It definitely has that feel of a mid-2000s horror movie. Uh, it's got those creepy Saw vibes. You know, almost like that. It's not. But almost like that PG-13, you know, horror movie vibe of the time. Like, I think it's got that going. Uh, for sure. The doll eye shot is great, even though it does eventually turn into this man working on a toilet. Um, first of all, if I brought, if a doll got sent to me and this woman started talking about a baby and I didn't know anything about that, I'd be a little freaked out already. But just by the way the doll looks, it's a big nope the fuck out of there for me. I am taking this doll, I'm throwing it out the door, 
and I'm getting it the fuck out of my house. Uh, no, 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 no. So it's very noticeable in these scenes because of the weather, but this movie's blue as fuck. I already touched on that, but Saul has that like blue green hue that kind of helps the movie. And, 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 you know, this is just kind of another one of those choices, I think, by this team to kind of put some kind of sc- uh, screen effect on. I wish we could have seen him a little bit more of Lisa's murder. Uh, I think the effects afterwards look okay, but all you really get is like a, is, you know, window curtains wrap, you know, wrapped up and you hear the stabs, which sound really good, but you don't get to see enough of it. I like the dragging part, but I kind of wish this movie was a little bit more like Saw in the way where we get to see the kills, we get to see a little bit of the gore. I think that would have helped a lot. Um, Again, we went through we went through our guy's eyeball like four different times in this movie, and I thought that's kind of an interesting choice. I don't, it never really explained that away. I guess it's the doll thing, but all right, Donnie Goddamn Wahlberg, who I like, especially in Saw Two, the best Saw of all time, by the way. In case anyone was wondering, um, and I love him in in the Sixth Sense and the scene that he's in. That's our the Donnie Wahlberg movies on this show, but in this movie, he's playing like a. a Almost like a ripoff of a cop. He's like playing a, a satirical approach. He's like playing a cop or a detective out of like the early forties or something. Like, like, you know, like, ah, big time city cop here. Like he's kind of playing that role. He's even got the mustache. Like it's just a little bit of a different approach, I guess, than when Donnie Wahlberg normally plays a cop, which is about all he gets cast for now. So that makes sense. Um, the, the, my man. My, my man Jamie immediately goes and blames the doll. If your wife's dead and she's found in her bed, put up like a man again. The last thing I'm going to do is immediately go and blame this doll that no one knows about. That's that's really dumb horror movie character stuff there to me. My favorite, <laughs> my favorite thing though is when he gets back and he gets freed. He puts tape on the box, thinking that's going to keep this doll in. But he but he thinks this doll was his wife's murderer? Question mark. I mean, I don't know why, what the thought process is there. A little bit of lapse in judgment. Again, I've, you know, side note, I find it odd that this character's name is Billy, but the, Billy is also the, you know, main antagonist from Saw, you know, Billy the Puppet. Let me get another Billy the Puppet. Maybe somebody has that in Fun Facts. I don't know, but I found that to be a little odd. I don't really know why they did that. We already have a Billy, and now we have another Billy the Puppet. Like, I don't know. Not a big fan. Also, if I walked up to my dad's mansion that looks like, you know, Brian's new house, by the way. Um, <laughs> if I walked up to my dad's house and that's my stepmom that walked out, I'd be like, hey, you want to like not be my stepmom and be my new wife? I mean, I am grieving here. But anyway, she can call me sometime for sure. This man. OK, I don't know. I don't know if you two will get this reference, but I have to end it here. Some listener will get it. This man needs his answers from his dad. Not tomorrow. Not after breakfast. Now, that's a Shawshank redemption or a Shawshank redemption reference there because my man Bill Gutton right here is the warden at Shawshank. So, eh, you know, I had to end it on that reference. Someone will get it and they'll appreciate it. You know, I've owned that movie for well over a decade and I've still never watched it. I know. Which, at this point, you, you should almost not do it. Because well, that's I- <laughs> That's how I was doing with the, the Wizard of Oz. I didn't watch the Wizard of Oz for most of my life, but I broke down and watched it with a girl because she said, no, we got to. Now she's yeah. out. Where's she? Where's she? She's, I watched it for nothing. So did you like Wizard of Oz? I have to ask this. Fuck, that movie's all about drugs. We'll talk about that. At every <laughs> that movie's 100% just about drugs. I'll watch, I'll watch it synced up with Pink Floyd with you. 
We'll do it together. Um, all right. So back to this dead silence. I like the old school universal intro that we got. And then the, uh, the open through the title card and credits, uh, paired with a great horror score. Like that's a very solid start. And so, like I said, when I see Lee one L and James Wan's names up on the screen and Donnie Wahlberg's name on the screen through those opening credits paired with how the opening credits looked, I'm, I'm all in. I'm like, hell yeah, let's go. And then we meet Jamie and Lisa, and they seem likable enough, you know, just a young couple in love, and everything seems great. But as soon as he, um, you know, as soon as I open that box and see that doll, I'm closing it back up and getting it out of my house. I got, it's just got my name on it. There's no note, nothing. I'm closing it back up and setting it back outside my door. Fuck that. Um, and then we waste no time getting to the freaky shit. We're eight minutes in here, and we hear the the breathing from the doll. The music gets all fucky. There's a giggle and, you know, I'd be on my way out. I'm, I'm not going to fuck around with this. Instead, she's gone. She's died. And I'm not sure how I feel about the movie at this point, to be honest with you. I feel like we could be taking a trip to Hokie city. And I don't mean Blacksburg, Virginia. It just, uh, it's, it's unexplained. And unfortunately I had this in my notes and then Brian sent it out, sent me his notes to read. And he has a similar thing in his to me, at this point, it starts to feel like we're we're starting to watch an episode of Goosebumps. Like it just feels like that type yes, of horror. Or are does. you afraid of the dark? Absolutely. Um, we get two weird transitions through Jamie's eyes for some reason. Like, what was that about? Uh, like, it makes it seem like his eyes are going to be playing. A, I guess just to show off, look at these cool transition skills. But it, exactly. it's for nothing. Um, okay. But we get introduced to our favorite horror detective, Donnie Wahlberg. You know, big fan of his, so uh, no complaints there. We get a, It's a very calculated decision, I have to believe, to have him drive a, to have Jamie drive a bright red, bright red car, and then the rest of the movie be all gray and blue. Like this movie, you said it's blue as fuck, but his car pops, and so I, I think that's a great choice there because it looks fantastic. And then, you know, at this point in the movie, I'm watching. I'm like, why the fuck is this guy just sitting around his house in a wheelchair? Wearing a damn tux. Like, why the fuck is he wearing a tux? Now, when we get to the twist, it's like, okay, some, you know, some sick shit she's on. But, um, I wouldn't be wearing a tux if I'm in a wheelchair in my own house. Fuck that. The whole scene at the house just seems very irrelevant, though. Like, he just shows up at his dad's house just to be angry and then to leave. Like, it did not do a single thing for the story other than introduce us to Ella and, uh, Edward. So, could have done without that. Needless to say, I had high hopes based on the opening credits and knowing, you know, who's behind the movie and who's in it. But at this point, through this set of scenes, honestly, I'm skeptical about how it's going to play out. All right, Jamie is at Henry's now, and he offers to show him all the caskets he has. Jamie asks when she arriving tonight, he says. He gives Jamie some forms to fill out. Jamie makes it to the motel with the most annoying flashing red light out the window. He stares at her picture in his wallet, then turns the lamp off. He lies down, and we see the Billy doll's eyes move to look at Jamie. The water drips slower and slower. Jamie hears Lisa's voice, and he sees the Billy doll right in front of him, but then it's in the chair looking at him. He sees Mary Shaw in the corner, and she stares at him until he turns the lamp on. Henry makes it back to the funeral home with Lisa's body. He's in shock when he sees Lisa's face. No, it can't be. He calls for Marion and looks in the crawl space and sees her. She's here, I know. She won't find me down here. He calls for her to come out and go to bed. Henry walks back to the body and takes pictures of her mangled face. We're at Lisa's funeral now, and they put roses on her casket. Jamie walks in the woods and sees a woman walking in the distance. Marion walks up on him and asks if 
if he saw her when she killed his wife. She's here, no one's safe, as Henry tends to her and says to let's go. Jamie is curious. He keeps walking forward and finds Mary Shaw's grave. He drives back to his motel and grabs the Billy doll. They drive away and the doll's in the passenger seat. It keeps looking over at Jamie driving. We hear a humming sound as Jamie stops the car. He takes the doll into the cemetery. They make it to Mary Shaw's grave. Jamie walks the graveyard and finds Billy's tomb and digs it up. Billy's mouth opens up and Jamie asks, who dug you up? He grabs the doll and places it back in the casket and his head turns towards Jamie. He covers him up and is back in the car. Jamie sees shadows fly past his windows and he hears ghostly giggles. He sees Billy right outside his door. He gets out to investigate and drives back to the motel. He's washing up and goes into his room and sees the doll in terror. Lipton is there and asks he thought he told him not to leave the city. Lipton asks what the hell is the doll and he now uses the doll and asks why did you bury me because I'm evidence in a capital crime? Jamie reiterates the night Lisa died. It showed up. He tells Lipton the Mary Shaw story. He grabs Lipton by the collar when he jokes about his wife's missing tongue. Lipton leaves and takes a doll with him to his room right beside his. Next morning, Lipton is shaving again and gets in his car. He drives away and Jamie sneaks into Lipton's room and gets the doll. He takes it to the funeral home and shows it to Marion. He asks if the doll is her friend and asks about Mary Shaw. Henry sees the doll and says he's not supposed to have that. He asks how he got it and tells her it's Mary Shaw. Henry says we don't say her name around here. Henry says you can't forget that look on her face when she died. All right, Mike, go ahead. It's the next set of scenes I got. Sorry, Mike, I couldn't find my mouse for a second there. Uh, yeah, so as silly, you know, and Dustin pointed this out, and I agree, this becomes kind of like a silly horror movie in a way, and not in a bad way, just like this kind of the way this movie worked, at least for me. But to start this off, this opening scene here is a little bit tough. I, I mean, I got to say, the picking out of the casket scene was a little bit rough and uncomfortable for me. I hope I'm not anywhere near doing that. You know, like that, that it was a little bit of a toughie, in a, you know, that's kind of smack dab in the middle of a movie that's not of that same ilk. So I thought that was interesting. I love, you know, I love when Jamie's going to sleep. He has this dead silence. You're welcome. Had to work it in once. Uh, with, with the flashing light, I think the lack of score, the lack of noise, I think really helps that scene because otherwise it, everything, you know, like, like, like Dustin mentioned, is starting to feel a little goosebumpsy. And I feel like this, you know, this, they try their best to build some tension with the silence. And I think it works. Um, again, if there's a doll in the corner of my window at the foot of my bed, I'm all the way out. I'm not, I'm not dealing with this shit. I'm kicking it out. I'm burning it alive. I'm doing whatever I have to do. Um, I do think it's a nice touch that my corner man here knows something that we don't. And I mean that from a writing standpoint. Like there's clearly at this point in the movie, he knows more than than he's letting on. He knows more than he's telling Jamie. And I really like that because as an audience, now I'm invested. Now I want to know, well, what's the actual story here? So this kind of brought me into the movie a little bit more than I was. Um, I. You know, it's kind of weird. I, I think I've said this on the show before, but I haven't been to a graveside funeral in a long time. I don't know why this st stuck out to me, but I couldn't tell you the last time I went to a funeral that wasn't indoors. Like, I haven't been to one that's at a grave since I was probably like eight or nine years old. But it, but they're always at a grave in a horror movie. I guess that's because of the spooky atmosphere. But for whatever reason that stuck out to me, I thought it was kind of unrealistic. But again, it is a horror movie about a talking ventriloquist dummy. So what do I know? Um 
my, you know, my creepy old lady wife here, she's almost as creepy as the doll in certain scenes. And I think she kind of adds a little bit more of a creepy factor to the movie that's not there otherwise. But, and Brian or whoever's editing this may have to cut this, but I, I found myself every time she got close to Jamie quoting Dave Chappelle in my head, where it's like, Oh, bitch. <laughs> Cause she looked kind of gross. And so I kept, I'm just saying, I kept thinking really awful things because she, and I guess that's ageist to me because I just, I don't know, she came off really creepy and really weird and I didn't want her to be near me. But I I like the fact that this doll gives side eye. I like that Billy is almost like saying, hey man, what are you doing over there? Like really creepy eye movement. I guess that's why they do the eye transitions, Dustin, but I'm not 100% sure on that. I still don't think they explain it very well. Um. Also, horror movie character, dumb thing to do, number 300, you know, 3,475 here. You don't go dig up Mary Shaw and her puppets, man. What is wrong with you? Like, that is the stupidest horror movie character decision. I know you want to find out what happened to your wife, but this is, I mean, come on, man. You're asking for it here. Uh, also, the last time Donnie Wahlberg was in a bedroom on this show, he shot and killed Bruce Willis, so Jamie better get the fuck out of there. I know we don't find out he shot Bruce Willis to the end, but that's still not okay. Anyway, um, also, why would you stay in this little boutique dumpy motel when your dad lives in a mansion? I know you'll have some problems, but I would consider staying in what I like to call Brian Hathaway's house. Um, this man continues to do things that make him look so fucking guilty. Everything he does is the dumbest thing. And so that, if I had to put one negative on the movie, I said, I think Jamie is just a really, Dumb horror movie character to me. I know he's passionate about finding out what happened to his wife, but that doesn't mean we have to do every dumb horror movie trope that there is. All right. So first, the thing that stood out in this set of scenes is this guy's just going to go into a motel and sleep on top of his blanket like that. The fuck are you doing, dude? <laughs> um, and then why would he bring the damn doll inside with him? Like, why not? Why not leave it in the car? Leave it secured. If you think that doll yes. killed your wife or he something, it around? With it, he brings it into his room with him and just feels comfortable sleeping with the doll just free like that. All right, cool. And then look, I know they're trying to play up the small town behind the times dynamic at this place, but surely old boy would have had a new, newer camera than that. Like Henry's, he's taking pictures of this, this, uh, you know, shit and, the camera that he used, I'm pretty sure, is the same one that the photographer used to take the picture of the sailor kissing the girl in Times Square uh, celebrating our victory over Japan. That camera was fucking ancient. Anyway, uh, Marion's character just seems like a l lazy uh, horror stereotype to me, though. Like the crazy old person that just seems like they're talking out of their mind, but they may actually have the answers. It's like Ralph in Friday the 13th. It's just like we're just copying that, copy-paste. Um, I don't think they had to make her as crazy as they did. Just my opinion. I don't know. She she kind of annoyed me. Um, very dramatic moment when the doll's head turns and looks at Jamie after he puts it in the coffin. But Jamie Knoll sold it. He was unbothered. Like he just you you see him put the shit the doll in the coffin, and then you see the damn thing look at him, and he doesn't even react. To me. You should have played that up. You should be like, oh, shit, and like made him shovel faster, close the coffin and shovel the dirt fast. I don't know. just bothered me that he didn't even give a shit that the thing looked at him because it just confirmed his suspicion for the first time, really. I don't know. 
And then why the fuck is Detective Lipton always shaving? Always. This is at the most inopportune times. Once in the morning, once before you go to sleep, if you really have, you know, if you really have to, that should be good enough there, Donnie. And then how the hell did he just get into this motel room without Jamie noticing? And also, he can't just walk into this motel room without knocking and announcing, like, that's illegal. You had no reason to go into this motel room, their detective. So issues with that as well. But overall, I mean, I guess the, the action's picking up. We're, we're, we're moving somewhere. The storyline's progressing. So, you know, it is what it is. Don't love it. Don't hate it. So, and Nico, really quick, I know I may be coming across as negative. I'm still enjoying the movie at this point, but it has, I'm almost enjoying it for the fact that it has so many little things I can poke a hole through. Uh, I, I as good of a writer as I think Lee Winnell is, some of the writing in this movie, and I think he's talked about it, how his script may have gotten neutered and watered down a little bit, so I can't completely blame him for this. But there's just some big, big plot holes I could maybe run, uh, you know, a big Dodge Ram into. I don't know. I'm not a truck guy. Y'all know better than I do. <laughs> I drive a Ram. <laughs> All right. He tells me of the time when he was a boy and saw her in the theater. Mary reveals an empty case and calls out for Billy in the crowd. She asks Henry to look under his seat, and there's Billy. Excuse me. She asks him to bring the doll to her. Billy and Mary start their show now. She asks Henry his name and says Billy had his eye on him. Billy sneezes, saying the case is dusty, and apologizes. A kid in the crowd says, I can see your lips moving. Mary's mad now and asks who said that. She tells Billy he thinks you're a dummy, and he says, I'm real as him. She continues on with Billy, and Mary gives him an evil stare and asks, now who's the dummy? Henry says a few weeks later that boy went missing, and he thinks Mary was involved. Mary was killed not long after that. In her will, Mary said she wanted her dolls buried with her, all 101 of them. Her other final request was to become a doll herself. We now see young Henry go down into the embalming room. He closes the door and tiptoes through the room. He walks over to the casket with Mary and looks into it. The table begins to lean over and it falls. Her body falls right beside his and her mouth opens. He backs away and she's gone now. He looks up to see her smiling and his father walks in and turns the light on and comforts him. Ever since her death, Raven's Fair has been plagued by death. Families murdered. They were found without their tongues, posed in family portraits. Jamie asks who dug the doll up and he says no one speaks of her, let alone goes to her grave. He asks about the theater she lived in, and he tells Jamie, if you go looking for answers, you just might find them. Jamie drives to the lake, and we see Lipton digging up the doll's graves. Jamie takes a boat to the abandoned theater. He walks inside the vacant building and, t and tickles a few ivories. He gets a scare when the rafters he walks on begin to collapse a little. He walks down a hallway and into a room covered in cobwebs. He pulls a string on a doll that says, Mama, and finds suitcase with Mary Shaw's drawings in it as we see her reflection walk past the mirror. He sees the missing children's ads now. He stops and looks up and sees a dead woman in the mirror. He flees now and we're back at the funeral home. Henry hears Marion talking to the Billy doll. He takes it away from Marion and puts it in the embalming room. Henry hears a sobbing voice and calls for Marion. He apologizes for yelling and he enters into the crawl space. The doll watches him and he asks for Marion to come out now. He realizes it's not, it's not Marion and the door closes. He can't get it back open and asks for her to open the door. He turns around and shines the flashlight. Henry is terrified, pounding on the door. Billy calls for Henry and he turns around. 
Henry sees a hand in then Mary Shaw's face. He screams and is killed as Mary eats his tongue. She says his voice is mine now as he falls out the door. All right, Mike, go ahead. This is the next set of scenes I got. I, I, I'm sorry for this, but uh, they shouted out, boy made of wood, and I was like, that sounds like me trying to go to the chalkboard in math class in middle school. Anyway, uh, look, I don't know if we have any listeners that are ventriloquists. I can't even say the damn word right, apparently. Uh, I don't know if we have any. I just want to apologize ahead of time. I think that is the dumbest form of entertainment. I can't stand it. They're especially when it's a comedian. They're never funny ever. I know Jeff Dunham exists. I don't care. They're never funny unless they're in on it and they're bad on purpose. That's about the only. So like, I can't stand this shit. That old lady was never funny. So I apologize to anyone that may have a hobby in that. But that's that's not my fault. I can't stand it. Who has a hundred and one dolls? Like that makes no sense. I, I, I mean, I would say, fuck your will. I know, you know, you may have lived a long life, but no, not listening to what you put in your damn will. I'm burning all these dolls in the incinerator because you were creepy and they're creepy. I hate the expression. <laughs> uh, don't go looking for answers. You just might find them. That's a really stupid thing to say. It's like having your cake and eating it too. Why would I go look for answers if I wasn't trying to find them? The dumbest expression. I can't stand it. Donnie, and I talked about this in the beginning, but. Donnie Wahlberg is just playing a little bit of a of a over the top copper here, and it really starts to show up here. He's kind of like almost comedic relief in a weird way, like he's not taking the job very seriously. And normally, Donnie Wahlberg plays a great cop, a great detective, and in this movie, I think he stinks. I mean, I'd rather have Deputy Dewey on the case. Shout out to my man David Arquette. Not that I mean, my man, not Dustin's guy. That's my guy. I've always been a David Arquette guy. Ten toes down, day one. Um, <laughs> why are we trying to bury these dolls again, by the way? It never works. We're back to trying to bury them. I don't understand. And they don't explain all that very well. Like, it's just kind of, you know, it's what Dustin mentioned at the top. There's so many, like, these things that they just don't explain. And you're like, huh, that's interesting. Why is this here again? And you can't, you know, I found myself saying that so many times. I know I'm repeating myself. But I will say. I love this crawl space scene. I love it. It's probably the best scene in the movie to me. It has tension. Uh, it has, it has suspense. I, I love the, you know, the, you know, the silence. And then there's a little bit of music in there and the kill is good. You know, I know we don't get to see the kill, but it is good after effects. So I really like that scene and showing Mary's face there. Nice touch. Wasn't expecting it. Uh, but I was expecting Henry to make it until the end, but he doesn't. That That's a shock to me. I fully expected him to be there at the end and and part of everything that goes down, but he was not. So I think that's probably the best acted scene in the in the film as well. So that's all I had on that set of scenes. I don't have a ton because I feel like we're about to get into some stuff that I think is just a little monotonous. So the flashback scene was all right. I mean, Mary Shaw and her doll up on stage was fine, but the story just doesn't do it for me. Like even knowing the backstory, I just found myself disinterested and feeling like it was a very lazy premise. Now to what you were saying about ventriloquism, you know, back in the fucking turn of the century or whenever that was supposed to be the twenties or whatever, like I can get it. I understand there's not a lot to do. So yeah, that's amusing, but I agree with you though. Like, Dunham, yeah, he's okay. But at the time that this backstory took place, I guess it's, it was entertaining enough. Um, 
I will give credit to Mary Shaw's look after she was turned into a doll, though. Like, we get to see that. That was cool. That was creepy. Like that. Big props to that. Um, and then, so this town is just this small, close-knit community. But they had an old theater that was the size of a damn cathedral. What? That building was fucking huge. And it just, uh, okay. I guess, I guess. It dwarfs every other building in this town. Um, I really do like how silent it gets before something spooky happens. Great usage of silence. But wouldn't the cops have cleared this theater out years ago? Like that book that he found, it seems like it would have been evidence of some sort. They thought that Mary Shaw was responsible for, you know, the disappearance of this this boy. Wouldn't they have cleared all, all of her belongings and at least logged it and looked into it? Like it's still going to be there all these years later? Not buying that. That doesn't make sense. Um, and then Henry's death, that was a very tense scene. And the effects of his mouth looked de decent. So, um, you know, it definitely could have been worse. I I actually really enjoyed that scene with Henry in the crawl space there. So um, better set of scenes. I will say that, though. I enjoyed I'm I'm enjoying it more as we go along, I think. All right. Jamie is back at his dad's as Ella feeds him soup. He asks about Mary Shaw and says he lied to him. He asked, what does Michael Ashton have to do with our family? He went missing without a trace, and they took matters into their own hands. They cut her tongue out. She didn't stay dead. She came back and killed each man involved one by one. Same for their wives and children, and their children. Lisa's death made me realize we can't run from our fate. All I wanted was to protect you. Jamie says, I'm going to stop this thing. He goes to leave, and Lipton is there and enters and tells him all the dolls are missing. He says, no one in this town has heard of her or this tale. Lipton says he's going to arrest him for stealing evidence. Ella intervenes and hands Jamie the phone for an urgent call. Henry tells Jamie, I can prove it. You didn't kill her. Meet me at the theater now, Jamie. He tells Lipton he's going to the theater, but Lipton says, nah. He throws Lipton to the ground and speeds away. Lipton chases after him to the lake. Jamie takes the boat over to the theater. Lipton grabs a shotgun and yells for Jamie. Jamie calls for Henry, but no answer. Henry tells him, I'm up here. Lipton paddles over now, calling for Jamie. Henry tells him, I'm in here. Jamie calls for Henry, and Lipton shows up. They both hear Henry's voice and scope the room out. They hear a voice humming, and Jamie tells him not to scream. They go down the hall, and Lipton leads the way into another room full of dolls and doll parts. Lipton throws a doll into the wall, and it knocks down a red sheet covering up all the wall full of dolls. There's one empty case, Billy. They see another red sheet covering something, and they remove it revealing Michael Ashen's body. Jamie scares him, moving his arm with a string. The doll's eyes and heads all move, looking to the left. We see a clown doll in the shadows, rocking in a chair. Jamie calls out Mary Shaw's name, and the doll opens its eyes and says, Clever, what do you want, he asks, to silence all those who silence me. So hard to construct the perfect doll, sometimes you have to use existing parts. We see flashbacks of Mary with the boy's dead body. He asks why Lisa, and she says, Come closer and I'll tell you. Mary says, come closer, I'll whisper it to you. He gets right by the clown doll and says, uh, you weren't the last ashen. The last ashen was inside her. The clown licks his cheek and Mary's hands grab the doll's head and lifts it up. Mary's tongue protrudes out the clown and Lipton shoots the clown doll. The dolls all begin to come alive and Jamie says she's living in the dolls. Destroy them all, he tells him. Jamie throws the lantern against the wall, setting them all on fire. Mary appears behind Michael's body and they run off. 
Mary chases after them, and Lipton falls below and is killed by Mary Shaw as he screams. Jamie hangs onto the rafter and climbs back up and falls below when Mary appears right in front of him. He falls into a pool of water under the basement. He grabs a flashlight and swims amongst all the mannequins. He swims back to land as the theater burns. He remembers there's one doll left, Billy. And the next little bit is just the ending. Go ahead, Mike. Okay. Uh, you expected your dad to tell the truth? If you had watched Shawshank Redemption, you'd have seen that this man lied and covered up fraud for a whole ass decade and tried to throw Andy Dufresne under the bus for us. I wouldn't have trusted this motherfucker anyway. And if my dad tried to lay this shit on me right now, I'd probably kick his old ass. Just being honest. So <laughs> I will say a big problem I have, and maybe I just missed it by not paying enough attention or something, but they didn't. I mean, I guess it's just the spirit overtaking the doll. But they didn't over like they didn't explain the fact that these dolls are can or Mary Shaw can take on voices of other people. Like, uh, is she out there with a Scream Three voice box or something? Like, what's like what's the deal there? Like, I, they didn't go in depth enough for me to like understand exactly what was going on there. Go ahead. I completely, I completely agree. I think that's what they're getting at when she steals the tongues. Okay. But, well, but they didn't. They didn't. Exp- I, I had that in my, they fin- never my final s- notes. So they never yeah. say it, though, right? I mean, I don't Agreed. understand that. Why? All they had to do was add a little something in there. Oh, she steals the voice of people. Okay, great. Sounds awesome. Uh, but I just, man, it kind of kept throwing me off. I'm like, well, how? How is you know? How is Henry? Like, how are these people there? I don't understand. Um, this movie has a few of these, by the way. Uh, just like a couple, like Stanley Kubrick wide nature shots of cars going down the road. I think it's very odd, weird transitions. I like the shots. They look really great, but they don't really fit, I guess. I think they're trying to fit a lot in this short runtime. Like I mentioned, I think Lee Wornell talked about this movie getting neutered, so I guess I shouldn't be shocked. I will say, this is probably my favorite set of scenes, though, but this part in the theater, I like it for how it looks. It's very tension-filled. And it's shot really well. I think the lighting is fucking perfect. But they kind of stay around a little too long. For me, where they're just kind of walking and not actually doing anything. It's 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 Jamie and Donnie Wahlberg. And, and, and again, it's not bad. I just wish they had gotten out of there a little quicker. Uh, I will say, I know I said that, my, that the cross space scene was my favorite scene. But let me back this up for a second. Forget I ever said that. Because my favorite scene in the whole movie is these dolls turning their heads one by one. It's creepy. It's my favorite part of the whole movie, so I take back what I said. I think it's done so well, and it starts to just get a little bit faster and a little bit faster. I love that. I think this is what these two can do together when given creative freedom. Like I thought it was really well done, it, and it would creep – if you were watching that movie, like I said at the top of the show, with a friend that didn't know a whole lot about horror, I think you could get them to freak out on that scene. Like that is a creepy scene for sure, with all those eyes start looking from the different dolls. Also, they never uh, never really explain why this Mary Shaw doll here at this part is a clown. Don't quite get that, uh, but okay, I guess I shouldn't have to hold my hand for everything. But look, if this clown doll whispers to me to come closer, and she'll tell me. I'm noping the fuck out of there. Again, I, I I know you're trying to find out what happened to your wife, but hey, man, that's an RIP, sweetheart. I, I'm sorry you're no longer with us. I got to go because that ain't happening. Not happening. 
Uh, the I'm not going to lie. The scene I loved was followed up by a scene I didn't particularly care for. And it's basically where Donnie Wahlberg's playing whack-a-mole with the doll heads. Like they're like protruding out and he's like shooting them off. Like it's a, you know, a carnival game. I'm not a big fan of that. That's like shooting the darts at the balloons. Uh, I really wasn't a big fan of that, but look, if the cop that's investigating you for murder dies, you're probably going to prison. However, spoiler, he doesn't go to prison because, you know, dead. But anyway, if he wasn't going to die, he'd be in prison. So I like this set of scenes. Again, I still think it's the best set of scenes in the movie from just a tension standpoint and a keep it my interest standpoint. But again, just some major writing potholes that I had problem with. But normally I'm willing to ignore and forgive, but I wasn't in this movie for some reason. So the story of Jamie's dad, or the story that Jamie's dad gives, it adds some context and backstory to thicken the plot. But how is he, why has he lived this long? Like even after the twist that we find out, if Mary Shaw really just wanted to erase the whole bloodline, like that's that's what she wanted to do was kill all the Ashens, wouldn't she have killed him sooner? Like especially since he never left town. Like he's a, he's been a sitting target this whole time. Seems like he she would have killed Edward before Edward even had Jamie. So that's a big plot hole to me. Um, like I said, given the twist that we know, when they're walking through the theater and they see all the dolls in the cases, I mean that's creepy. I guess it, it, it honestly reminded me of that scene in Game of Thrones when Arya, uh, you know, all the faces up on the wall. That's what it reminded me of. But. Um, I just still find myself, I couldn't get fully invested in the story. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really care that there's so many dolls and they're all supernatural. Because only one doll's been a threat to this point. And it's, it's been half-assedly explained, if that's a word. And honestly, Jamie's character, I'm not interested in him. I don't, I th- Ryan Qu- Quantin, maybe I said his name right. Like, I, I just don't think that he does a good enough job acting-wise to get me fully invested in Jamie. I don't feel any connection to him, despite the tragedy and uh, trauma that he's gone through so far. We do get a solid jump scare, though, when the baby doll moved forward, or the boy doll, not baby doll, sorry, I read too fast. The boy doll um, moved forward and and scared Lipton, and the the silence let us know some shit's about to go down. So I'm still hopeful that we're going to get some good stuff going on here. And then what the fuck is Pennywise doing here? I agree with you, Mike. Uh, if a if a clown tells me come closer, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm, you know what, Lipton, you got this, man. I'm out. I'm, I'm gonna leave now. Um, really fucked up revelation that Lisa was pregnant. Like that's some dark shit. How that was just revealed. And just, oh, the last Ashen was in her. That's kind of fucked. Um, and then she's living in the dolls. Destroy the dolls. No shit. Why is this just now crossing their mind? I, you know, being a wood chopper from way back like I am, I would have chopped Billy up into a hundred pieces days ago. And they're just you see like, it. oh, maybe you we see need it. to destroy the dog. No shit. Uh, and then when the damn bridge fell, why did a Dementor from Harry Potter show up and swoop in and grab Lipton? What the hell was that about? It's the damn Dementors, as uh, Prison Mike says. But, you know, the action's picking up. So if I'm not sitting here just picking this movie to, to shreds and just overanalyzing things this set of scenes i can at least enjoy because there's a lot of shit happening a lot of freaky stuff a lot of action so i guess that's an improvement i don't know right well you know that's the point though dustin there's a lot of like cool elements to this movie there's a lot of fun stuff happening but when you get down to the story i just feel like it's lacking 
And that sucks because there's a lot of stuff in this movie I that I like. I, I think the bones are there, but the story kind of or the writing kind of falls apart a little bit. Just this is the fir- first time in show history, fellas. This movie could maybe benefit from being a smidge longer. Just a smidge. Like maybe like 12 minutes. Just kind of flesh it out a little more. That's all. Can't believe I said that. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, guys. Here's the ending. He drives to Henry's house and yells for him. He turns the light on and finds Marion holding his dead body. Marion says Mr. Ashen took the doll. Jamie heads to his father's now. He's in the house and goes up the winding stairs into the dark room. Why did you bury me, Jamie? He hears. I'm in here. He removes the sheet and sees the Billy doll in a crib. Mary Shaw appears and he throws the doll into the fireplace. She fades away. Jamie sees his father in his wheelchair now and walks towards him. He turns on a lamp and realizes his dad is dead. His whole back and neck has been hollowed out and has been used as a ventriloquist dummy. Ella has been controlling him. We get kind of like a Saul-style flashback, and Ella reveals herself as Mary. Now who's the dummy? And Jamie screams and is killed. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. If you see her in your dreams, be sure you never scream. As we see Jamie, Lisa, and Edward's doll portraits in the book as the film ends. All right, Mike, that's a a twist ending. What'd you think? Uh, Okay, so not a whole lot happens to me before the twist, but I really like the twist ending. It had a very Saw-like feel, which, again, makes sense, given the two people that created the movie. had a very Saw-like feel, you know, movie, or, excuse me, Saw-like feeling, because you see the twist, and then they go back and show you everything, that that led to that twist that made it made that made it make sense and i did like that aspect of it at least there was some explaining there on, on how we got here um i like the stepmom being mary shaw the whole time like i think that's good stuff i like that twist i and again it, it's done so well as much as i don't like ventriloquism i still can't say it don't worry about it that's what i get for being a stutterer my whole life but i they're, they did a good job explaining it in flashbacks, but I think, I think I would have maybe laid out a few more signals to it throughout the movie. Because even when you go back in the flashbacks, you're like, you weren't doing that then. I know because I went back and rewatched some of it. So like, they kind of filled it in later. It's a good twist. Don't get me wrong. I'm just looking for nitpicks here, but that's pretty much all I have. I, I did find it funny that jamie doesn't survive like that normally doesn't happen in these movies he didn't uh and you know he gets turned into a doll like everybody else so i thought that was a pretty fitting ending finally a movie that doesn't have to end all hunky-dory it ends with the villain winning and i thought that was a nice breath of fresh air as well so like the twist like that the villain wins fun movie uh kept my interest the whole time writing is subpar but outside of that like i think there's a lot of good bones to this movie for sure yeah, so he took his sweet ass time throwing the doll in the fire there. Like I don't know why he just he seemed to be hesitant about her for a second. I don't know. She's just throw the damn thing away. So the twist at the end. I mean, okay. So his dad was a doll, and Ella or Mary Shaw, I should say, was using him to get to Jamie. But I, you know, it just didn't add anything for me. It was it was a cool revelation. It was a big revelation. It was shocking for sure. But it was just over as soon as it was revealed, and Jamie screamed. And lost his tongue. I don't know, man. Like, it just didn't hit for me. He didn't scream the entire movie, but now he's going to scream here. 
And then, like I said earlier, it just seems weird that if that was it, if Ella was, you know, really, you know, she's Mary Shaw or whatever, why wouldn't Edward have died 30 years ago? It just doesn't, I don't, it doesn't add up for me. Maybe I'm overthinking it. And then having a pole in his back to work his mouth, you know, move his mouth up and down is one thing, but it wouldn't make his lips and mouth form the words. If you watch him talk earlier in the movie, his mouth is talking. His mouth is moving like he's saying the words. Um, so I, I don't know, man. It just, it was a cool, like, shock. Like, ah. Oh. But when you actually think about it, it just didn't really make sense. So, um, it didn't hate it. It was okay. All right, guys, let's jump into our social media comments and questions. We're going to do Twitter first. Randy Smith commented, great movie with what? Oh, fuck off. <laughs> I read that wrong. Great movie. My <laughs> wife refuses to watch this movie, but she hates anything with killer dolls. Can't wait to hear y'all's take. Appreciate it, Randy. Uh, Mookie commented, y'all think he shaved this movie too much or not enough with a picture of Donnie Wahlberg? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny, honestly. Uh, excuse me. Sean Irwin commented, haven't watched this movie in a bit, but I remember it did a good job with the atmosphere. Can't wait, can't wait to listen to the review. Appreciate that, brother. And if y'all haven't seen this movie and want to check it out, it's free on Tubi, so shout out to them. Uh, big fan of the show. Andrew Ferguson commented, hell is an old woman's arm shoved up your ass for all eternity. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That's, I know. Uh, some people are into that. Hey, <laughs> All right. Let's jump over to Instagram. Now, Danny C. Naps commented, excited for this with the heart eyes emoji and the hands up. Appreciate that. Optional 13th ghost. I remember y'all shouting out last week. They had a cool name and I think so too. Uh, definitely an underrated Juan film, but I'm glad it's finally getting a cult following. Uh, absolutely, it's definitely getting a cult. I see it mentioned a lot definitely, in the, definitely. the horror groups I'm in. Yeah. Uh, Missy Hutchinson Wall commented, "Ventriloquism is creepy as fuck to me." I'm kind of with you. The dolls are a little. The dolls kind of freak me out a little bit myself. Uh, Matt Strickland, uh, M Strickland ninety one commented, "Haven't seen this one. Definitely going to see what's up now. The dummy on the cover, and you, just like y'all mentioned with the goosebumps." The dummy on the cover looks very similar to Slappy from the Goosebumps book series, Night of the Living Dummy. Absolutely. He's definitely not Chucky by any means, but still terrifying nonetheless. Looking forward to hearing the review, fellas. Appreciate you, brother. All right, now we're on Facebook. We only got two comments. Abby Renee commented, I recently rewatched this one, and it was okay. I don't feel like it captured the strength of Lee Wanell's writing. However, Ryan, is it Quantin? Can call me sometime, and I've now started rewatching True Blood just to see more of him with a laughing emoji. Hey, I ain't mad at you, sister. And the last comment we got is from Dustin's burner account, Dex Cole. I feel like this. <laughs> I feel like this is one of James Wan's lesser-known films, but nonetheless, scary and entertaining for what it is. It definitely has that mid two thousands feel to it. It's one I wouldn't mind watching in every so often for a popcorn flick. I agree a hundred percent with you. I'm, That's I'm the last he, of social media. What's I'm glad up? he said that because that just proves he's not my burner account. <laughs> <laughs> hey, maybe you're bipolar. You never know. Ooh, Wait, maybe I, you're multiple, maybe you're multiple James, personalities. I said maybe you're James McAvoy from Split. There you go. That's a movie I want to pick one day. <laughs> yeah, it's on my do list it. too. Do Somebody's got to do it. All right, uh, fun facts, Dustin. You got any? I got just a couple, literally two. Um, due to really? the film, two, two of them is a couple. If you, bitch, if you look it up in the dictionary, there is an alternative definition that says a couple is a small indeterminable number. So thank you, thank you, Justin. Thank you. I was just joking because of the time I said I'll go first since I'm first. 
<laughs> All right. So uh, due to the film's box office failure, tentative plans for a sequel were abandoned. Good. And Hollywood, listen to me right now. Hear me loud and hear me clear. Don't even think about it. I know you're rebooting everything. You're requel and sequel and everything. Don't even do it. Um, that's what I have is Lee Wanell was so unhappy with the finished product due to studio interference that he decided to write all future scripts on spec as opposed to pitching the idea to a studio and then being paid to write the screenplay, as was the case with this film. So when I read that, I forgave so much about this movie because this Me is too. not this Me is too. not the movie he wanted us to see. And so I forgive him and James Wan because to me, this movie's not up to their standard. And so I read that. That made me feel a lot better. I don't, right. I don't have anything, okay. Mike. Go ahead. Okay. You mentioned the box office failure. Yeah. The budget was $20 million, and it only made a whopping $22.4 million. So not a whole lot over budget. Barely broke even. Uh, that's a little bit of a toughie, considering the massive success of Saw that came before it. Uh, I would say that was probably a great disappointment. Although, like you mentioned, Lee Winnell and James Wan, they don't really like this movie. They don't claim it that much. But it is developing a cult following. And I think at some point, maybe they should just embrace that cult following because you're always your own biggest critic. I will say that James Wan speaks highly of it now, though, on his social media. That's good. I mean, he he does address the things you said about the problems, but he definitely embraces it in the cult following now. Good. Uh, Dustin, you want to read Brian's to kick us, kick us off? Yeah, let's go for that. Um, Brian sent over his notes and he says, first of all, Dustin, if you read this in some crazy voice, I'll probably, uh, deserve it for not being there. I'm going to spare you this week, man. I'm, I'm, I've been dealing with some sickness this week. I don't have it in me, so we'll just do it in your normal man, voice. Both of y'all are down with the sickness. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be here all week. Let's do it in your normal voice, Ryan. <clears throat> I've never seen this before. This watch. I always wanted to, but never gotten around to it. I'm glad I finally did watch it. I even voted for this during this week, but I was disappointed, to be honest. Cast was hit and miss for me. Dude from True Blood, Ryan Quanton, is pretty good. I've said before Donnie Wahlberg is one of my faves, but only if he's playing detective, he's... Okay, I can't do it anymore. He's got the market cornered on that role. But the shaving aspect was cheesy as hell to me here. Bob Gunton is a legend. Yes. But he and Amber Valletta didn't seem realistic to me. He and Amber Valletta didn't seem realistic to me. I like the cinematography of all those shots that entered and exited the eyes. I thought it was really well done. Shout out to John R. Leonetti once again as he's filmed others we've covered. That dead silence sound effect, losing all the sound was really great. My favorite part of the movie, kind of even wanted more of it, especially in the finale. Soundtrack is fire. Has a mix of Exorcist and X-Files. Shout out to Charlie Clouser. I dig it. But for everyone involved in this, like Lee Winnell and James Wan, it just didn't click for me, and I expected better. Lots of plot holes everywhere. The dialogue was wooden, pun intended, which made some of these great actors like Gunton seem the same. Meh. Almost came across as a Goosebumps book. I didn't just say that because of the wooden doll parallel, but as just a cookie-cutter type story. I felt like this was a made-for-TV movie, not the standard I would expect from everyone involved. The twist with the dad wasn't practical, but it was good enough to boost the score up some, along with the uh, pluses I listed above. I did like the ending. I'll say that. All in all, it just wasn't a great watch. Would be a great movie to get someone into horror with, though. Again, kind of like a Goosebumps episode. It just kind of felt like it was made in 1990 and not 2007. I gave it a 4.75. Woof. Okay. 
All right, I'll go ahead and we'll stay in order. Wait, no, Nico's actually next, right? No, you want to go last, Nico? Yeah, I'll go last tonight. All right, I'll go ahead. So, <laughs> my favorite kill is Henry, and my least favorite kill is anybody else because I don't really think there was another good kill. Um, but, okay, so <sighs> this is a good intro into horror movie. It is the kind of popcorn movie that we've already mentioned a billion times on this show that I will show people, like, hey, you may like this movie just because there's not a lot of gore. There's not just, like, this, like, super eerie, suspense-filled thing. There's a lot of good jump scares, and I tend to think your general horror movie audience wants to have those jump scares. They want to jump at the jump scares, and I think this movie sets up a couple of nicely executed jump scares as well. This movie has glaring plot holes. I mean, just a ton of them. The writing is flawed. But as we know, it's not the it's not the writing that Lee Winnell wanted us to see. So I'm willing to forgive that and look at some of the positives, which I think Sean Irwin mentioned. The atmosphere, fucking fantastic. It feels like a good horror movie the entire time. And it's, it is an entertaining movie. It keeps my interest. I like the bones of the story. I would have loved to see how the movie was supposed to turn out. Because I think the idea of using a ventriloquist doll... As the, as your killer doll is kind of refreshing and interesting. And I would like to see it. It does look a lot like Slappy, by the way, almost identical, but that's a different story. But all that being said, acting's fine. Some really good, you know, legendary people in here. I think the movie's well shot. It's well made. I just wish the story was tighter. I wish it was neater. So all that being said, I give this a 6.5. Okay. Uh, very enjoyable though. Very enjoyable. My favorite kill, I went with Henry because it was the closest we got to on screen. Um, my least favorite kill was Jamie. I just felt like all that he'd seen and been through, for him to scream at the end was just disappointing. And if he was going to die, it should have been sooner, so the movie would have been like five minutes long and I could get my time back. Um, the movie just didn't hit for me. Like you said, there's major plot holes. I feel like it was too simple of a story, but it wasn't simple as in this happened so this happened so this happened it's just a simple story that wasn't explained they didn't really fill us in on why certain stuff was happening like i said earlier i had it in my notes about the you know the the voices she's taking tongues it's easy spell it out for us let it be known let that be part of her story rumor has it she steals the tongues and that's how she takes their voices and their identities perfect but they don't say it um to me if you're looking at horror movies involving dolls I think you take any of the Annabelle movies, take any of the Chucky or Child's Play movies, hell, you even take The Boy, and any of those I would put well above this movie. It just didn't hit for me. I had it lower, but when I saw that this is not the movie Lee Wanell wanted us to see, I actually gave it a, a half a point, so I came in at a flat four. Okay, that's fine. Uh, favorite kill for me, I'm going with Lisa's just because, you know, we did our top 10 opening scenes. That was my, it was in my top 10. I really like the opening. I think Lisa's, I mean, it's a great way to start the movie and get you hooked into it. Uh, least favorite kill, I want to go with Donnie Wahlberg's just because I thought it was kind of ridiculous that he yes. didn't yes. scream because Mary Shaw scared him. It was because he fucking fell off of like the rafters. He screamed. So kind of felt like he got cheated on that. Maybe just let him fall and die, but that's just me. Uh, Listen, man, I saw this movie when it came out and when I was in high school, 2007. It was the summertime. 
It was with, you know, my summertime girlfriend and all my friends. We were watching it on a rainy summer night. I was on the couch. It was raining. It was it was the perfect way to watch this movie. Uh, it's one of those movies that I watch once or twice a year that I still thoroughly enjoy. I love the blue look. I love the ending twist. I think it's fantastic. And while it may be a simple story, which is true, uh, and I'm not comparing it to this movie or anything because I don't want to be called out, but Halloween 78 is a simple story, but it's told well. And I think Dead Silence is told well, too. I don't think it's anything you got to look too deep into. Just pop it on, enjoy it, have a good time with it. I love the the editing at the end, the twist reveal. I, I have a really good time with this movie, and I've always enjoyed it. I've uh, been a big fan of it, and you know, I can't remember... I think it's called Screen Factory. They just re-released this movie on Blu-ray and 4K and sent out, you know, the cover, new cover posters. I bought that. I'm a big fan of the movie. I'm not going to give it a 10, but, you know, just for enjoyability, uh, my nostalgia story from watching it, I gave it a 9. But, you know, I, I know I'm alone on that. That's fine. No, that's all right. Yeah. Shit, man. Hey, I you know what your, a 10. It's all good. You know what your 9 did, though? It gave us a composite score to 6.0625. Which rounds up to a six point one, which is, is what IMDb has it as six point one. I had it at a, I had it at a six point five, man. I was close. Let's go. They know <laughs> what they're talking about over there at IMDb. I know they do. Smart people. All right, guys. Uh, oh, and I forgot to mention Charlie Clouser's uh, theme. That's one of the, the dead. No joke. The dead silence theme is one of my favorites in horror. It'd probably be top five for me. I love the theme. Uh, any more final thoughts? Where I just shout out the blood donors and Dustin can announce his pick for next week. All right, I'm going to shout out our blood donors. Really appreciate y'all. Camper level reoccurring, Clayton J., Nina, Michelle Mirza, Andrew Ferguson, the Horror Movie Crew Podcast, Alex Seligson, Eric Doolittle, Sean Irwin, Brian Samick, and Michael Evans. Our camp counselor reoccurring are Dennis Kennedy, Edwin Hernandez-Gunn, Joe Swinford, Jennifer Davis from the Too Close to Home Podcast, Heather Smith, Kyla Denise, all the way from Australia, Adrian Aiello, Jake Hambrick, Clay Moore, Karen, Matt Strickland, and Gail Koontz. And we also have a final guide donor review to do, which we will be doing in two weeks, and that is for Mr. Kenneth Welch, and his movie is Hollow Man. Uh, really looking forward to it, and uh, just want to say I appreciate all of our blood donors. Y'all take a big burn off us. Dustin, announce your pick for next week, which closes out Brian's fan pick month. All right. My poll options that I put out there was Eight-Legged Freaks, which stars, you know, the goat David Arquette, Freaky, which has Vince Vaughn and is a very fun movie, Warm Bodies, which I stumbled upon and, and really enjoyed and the winner was 2020's the hunt so mine were a bunch of fun options like kind of Absolutely. horror comedies and uh i wouldn't have been upset if any of them won but um ironically the one that i wanted to you know it was it would have been last if i were to pick one of these four was the hunt so that's cool it overwhelmingly we'll won but i think this is one i think this is one that sorry you guys but i think the hunt may be a little bit well Overdue. <laughs> People have been asking for it. Just say it. <laughs> All right. Uh, just want to say I appreciate y'all for doing the show with me. Uh, I apologize again for Not missing really, last man. week, even though I did have a guy missed y'all. Uh, but I know y'all had to held it down. The, the menu is a fun movie. Uh, I wish I could have been there, Mike, just to give you a little tag team support. Appreciate that, but, brother. Uh, but then if I would have been there, I wouldn't have heard that amazing impression of me. Uh, <laughs> thank you to all the listeners. Really appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Just want to remind everybody.